Welcome to the Scattered Saints podcast. My name is Josh, and we're joined by our online pastor, DeAndre. Come on. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Hey, wherever you're listening from, if you're driving. Oh, that's right. Come on. If you're going for a run, if you're working out. The grind. I, I, I know I listen to some podcasts when I'm working out, man. Wherever you are, hey, congrats. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Josh, man, what are we listening to? We have an awesome message today, DeAndre, from our very own Pastor Brett Esslinger. Come on. It's called Let It Burn, and it's an incredible message of hope in Jesus. So get ready, turn up your volume, and enjoy this message from Pastor Brett. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you're here in our midst and you're here right now that you don't leave us alone. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And we're thankful that you're with us from home to home and house to house, that we might not be gathered under one roof, but we're gathered under one name, your name. And we're thankful that you got a, you got a word for us today. So we open up our hearts and our minds. And uh, God, we're, we're just thankful for the students as they're making their way back. Some have already started. Some are just heading to school for parents and for teachers, for families. We just pray for peace uh, as re-entry begins. God, we're so thankful uh, for what you're doing uh, in in our lives and what you're doing in our church and in our families. And, and we just turn our hearts to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I mean, there's something about sitting around a fire and, and gathering with friends. It kind of just brings out like the storyteller, you know, uh, aspect. You kinda, I kind of go into like a reflective, I look at a fire and I instantly go into like reflection mode. You know, I kind of, I evaluate all my life's choices. And uh, I think of the good times, wrestle through the bad times, then throw another log on the fire and go back to the good times, trying to bring the mood up. You know, there's just something about uh, being uh, together and being around a fire outside. It's amazing. And um, I'm reminded of one of my favorite accounts in scripture. Uh, It's in the book of Joshua. The Israelites are just about to move into the promised land. They've been wandering in a desert season, you know, 40 years from place to place. And I think it's probably relatable for a lot of us right now, because I would say that this might feel like a desert season. It might feel like dreams have not been realized. Plans have fallen through. You know, people had to get married in a way that they didn't anticipate. Uh, You know, all kinds of life's grievings changed. You know, the way that you would have a funeral has changed. There's just so many things that are different, and it feels a little bit like a desert season. And just before the Israelites are about to to possess that promise on the thing that they've been waiting for, the dream that they've been holding on to, uh, Joshua says this to them in Joshua chapter three, verse five, he says, purify yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. That word purify talks about uh, sanctify or to prepare or to set apart, to get ready because God is about to do something. He's gonna do something tomorrow. Now, the really interesting thing about how the Israelites entered the promised land is that that God uh, wanted to lead them across another body of water. He wanted to show the next generation that he was the God of yesterday, today, and forever. That as they were going to enter what the promised land, that they were going to enter the promised land in the same way that they entered the desert. When, when they were fleeing Egypt and he parted the Red Sea, there's this incredible moment. But this is like grandkids now that, are, that have heard these stories. And God wanted them to know that, that he was the same, that he could be counted on, that he was reliable, that he was trustworthy, that he is faithful. He said, so when you're going to enter the promised land, you're going to do it in the same way that you entered the desert. 
So this is what happens in Joshua chapter three. The the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So they they sent the Ark of the Covenant ahead of them. The Ark of the Covenant is the thing that uh, where the Holy Spirit was. So now Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's available to all people. But at that time, he, you know, he sat in the mercy seat. There were some cherubim and, uh, you know, little cute angels with the wings. And uh, he, he would hang out there. And so they sent the presence of God in front of them. And the priests were carrying it on a pole. And it was harvest season. And the Jordan was overflowing at its bank. So all these people break camp. They're about to possess the promised land. And, and they're like, we're just going to have to cross this river. God's going to do the same thing that he did, you know, generations ago. I can't help but think that when you roll up to the river in harvest season, and it's not just a normal river, but the banks are overflowing and the water's high, that there had to be like a seed of like, uh, is he is he going to do this for real? Like, is this, is this actually going to happen? Like, I mean, I've heard the stories, but, you know, there's got to be a scientific explanation. Like maybe this is water's just shallow and the current is slow or maybe we're hitting like a sandbar. You know, this is like a Holy Spirit sandbar and we're just going to walk across it. As soon as the feet of the priests entered the water carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Spirit says as soon as they got ankle deep, the water started to part. As soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan, which sounds like a prescription drug. (laughs) And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Now, what's really interesting about that is the water had to go somewhere. Water had to go somewhere. It started backing up and pouring over. See, when God makes a way, there's always collateral damage, but in the best possible way. There is an overflow and there is a spilling over. There is a residue of the miraculous work of God that's all over it. There, you can't help but notice that something is happening down the river. I think we hit a desert point and we hit this point where God is leading us into a, ne- into a new season. And we might've heard of stories of the faithfulness of God, or you might remember moments that, that you've walked through different seasons and, and he led you and he guides you. And you're like, okay, God, I'm gonna just stand on the truth of this. But there's that moment of doubt, like, can he do it again? Like, did he actually do it the first time or did I remember it wrong? But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God leads you. And it seems a lot more dangerous this time. Because the first time, it's like, what else did you have to lose? Someone was chasing you down. You had to get out of there. But now, it's like, I don't have to. I don't have to cross it. Life's not bad over here. In fact, there are some Israelites that chose to stay on, on that side. There's something about taking that first step into the dangerous waters of a new season that says, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you in this one. And I know that you did it once. And I'm pretty sure you're going to do it again. But all of a sudden, when it starts to part, you're like, okay, okay, okay. He's, he's for real. But there's always somebody downstream. Could it be that as God leads you into a new season, that part of his goodness is leading you in in a miraculous way, And as you walk into that, 
the result of the miracle at work in your life is that somebody else downstream says, hold on, what's God doing over there? And if he did it for Brendan, maybe he can do it for me. And if he did it for Amanda, maybe he can do it for me. If he did it for, for Sarah and Ben, maybe he can do it for me. There's always collateral damage when God is at work in the best possible way where he starts saying, you know what, I'm at work right now. You can't hold me back. They walk into the water and the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stop in the middle of the river and it's a dry bed and the people of God start walking over. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel, that's a lot of people, like your, your legs are getting tired when a million people are walking slowly across a dry riverbed. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I think there's something significant where we can say that the Spirit of God goes before us, he goes ahead of us. He makes a way where there is no way. But at the very same time, the Ark of the Covenant, the Spirit of God, stood right in the middle. So while He goes in front of us, He also stands there right with us in the middle. He's right in the middle of all the things that are going on. We're like, oh no, He's going ahead of us. Did He leave us here? No, He does not forget us. The Spirit of God stands right in the middle. He's like, I'm in the middle of this storm with you. I'm in the middle of this dry ground with you. I'm in the middle of this circumstance with you. I don't leave you. I don't forsake you. I don't abandon you. I go before you, but I stand right here with you. The priest, this is Joshua 4 now, verse 10. The priests who were carrying the ark stood in the middle of the river until all of the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. One of the instructions that they were to do was to collect 12 stones, one stone for each tribe of Israel, and they were to collect it from the middle of the river and then set it up on the other side on the riverbank so that they would always remember and then they could walk by and that grandpa could say, listen, Seb, when I was your age, God made a way where there was no way. And you're like, sure, Grandpa, like, I, thanks for telling me the story. No, 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 no. Those rocks are from the middle of the river. Listen, now there's, Grandpa, there's just, there's a sign, there's a plausible explanation for that. No, no, you don't understand. God made a way where there was no way. And he plucked those stones and they stand here as a reminder of his goodness and of his faithfulness. And as long as I am alive and as long as I have breath, I'm going to walk by these stones and I'm going to be reminded of the goodness of God. I think this is something maybe that we've lost in our culture. We've lost in our lives. When was the last time you made a marker? Maybe it's a note in a journal. Maybe you just took a picture and put it on the mantle and said, God did this. So that you could remember, maybe it's a picture that sits on your fridge of that time when you made it to the other side of that crazy situation that you were believing for. So that the next time you find yourself in desperate need of Jesus, you go, you know what? That marker says, I made it through. Jesus made it possible. And I'm reminded of those things because how easily we forget the goodness of God. You know, they say uh, a negative thought is nine times more powerful than a positive thought. That's why when you're in the midst of like the worst situation of your life, it's hard to remember the breakthrough moment. It's more easy, uh, it's more easy, it's simpler for us the way our brain processes just go, you know what, 
I'm just going to rely on, on this situation. This situation says, there's no way out. I'm trapped. I can never make through. No, Jesus goes before you. His, his spirit goes in front of you and he's right there with you in the middle. And once you pass by, here's the amazing part. Once all the people passed by, once everyone was safe on the other side, the priest crossed over with the ark of the Lord as the people watched. He goes before you. He's right there in the middle with you. And he comes up behind you. Come on, who's got my back? Jesus got your back. Uh, it reminds me of Revelation 22, where uh, scriptures say that Jesus is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He's not just the beginning and the end. He's everything in between. He's everything in between. And so he might be starting a story, but, but understand that as he's starting to write a new chapter in your story, he's not going to abandon you halfway through. He's going to see it all the way through. If he's called you into something, I just feel like this is for somebody. He, you feel like maybe God called you into something. You got in too deep. And you're like, Jesus, I don't know that I can make it through. No, he called you for this moment and he's not abandoning you. He's leading you through. The question is, did you, have you stepped ankle deep into that river? But it's high and it's overflowing and it's scary. Ah, if he did it once, he can do it again. And he's going to be there at the beginning, in the middle, at the end. He's, he's rewriting the story. He's everywhere in between. I think this, the thing that's so interesting about that story was Joshua telling this whole group of people that was about to possess a promise that they've been promised for generations. He said, you got to prepare yourself. You got to get ready for what God's about to do. We're about to enter as a community, as a church, a new season. And we haven't been here before. But God's doing something. You know, I think about, we've been getting these emails uh, Pastor Seb preached a message on grace and we get this email from Australia from somebody in lockdown that's like, this is exactly what I needed. I was looking on the internet and I found the bearded wonder and I was like, they knew breakthrough was coming. And, but it was the right word at the right time. They're in complete lockdown and they found it. You know, I think sometimes we like, we kind of want to, we limit God to our time and space, but he's not limited to my timeline. He kind of operates on this like cosmic geography which is outside of time and space. So we want God to do a miracle if it works on our schedule, in our timeline, in the way that we would presuppose that he would do it, but his ways are higher. His thoughts, it says in Isaiah 55, are more than we can even imagine. So his, the miracle that's going to come is going to be something that you can't even imagine, which means it's something that you can't worry about. Right, Because worry is just your imagination reverse. If imagination is faith-filled, then fear is just taking it and, and putting it the other way. So we start worrying. No, no, it's above what you're even able to worry about. He's got a, a way to, to walk with you through this next season, but you got to prepare yourself. And I, I really believe that's a word for our community, for our family. We got to prepare ourselves for what's next. It's a new chapter. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's not going to feel the same. It's going to be different. It's going to look different, but different's not bad. It's just different. And if Jesus is leading us, then I'm, I'm, I'll go wherever he leads me. But I got to prepare myself. I got to set myself apart. I got to get ready for tomorrow. God's going to do great wonders among us. How do we get ready? How do we get ready? Jeremiah 29, 13. This is in New Living Translation. 
says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I got my grandpa's Bible after he passed away. And this is underlined in it, but he's got the King James Version. It says, if you look for me with your whole heart. Wholeheartedly, my whole heart. If you expand it in the ESV, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. How do we get ready? With our whole heart. With our whole heart. It's not a mistake that Jesus echoed the words of Deuteronomy in Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. We didn't stop at our heart. With all your soul and with all your mind. With every part of our being, with every part of our intellect, with every part of our emotional capacity, we love the Lord. We don't love him with just our mind. We don't love the idea of God. We love the person of God. We love him with every part of our being. There's not a part that we withhold from him. We give him every part. God, take every part of me. You can have it all. Take every part. Take the good part. Take the bad part. Take the ugly part. Take my limited, uh, my part with limited emotional capacity. Now, I don't know uh, about you, but did you ever grow up and have somebody tell a scary story around a campfire? I hate scary stories. I'm a big old Freddy cat. Like I, I, I don't hate, I don't do well. I don't like horror movies. Not my jam. It's just devils. So don't watch them. It's just the devil. Just don't give them a full hold in your life, people. Uh, <laughs> and if you get nervous at night, uh, you could borrow a collection of uh, Adventures in Odyssey and and put the tape on. My boys actually. We have Debs found her old tapes, and so they listened to Adventures in Odyssey on a Walkman. Everything's coming back. It's all coming back. So if you get afraid at night, if you don't know what Adventures in Odyssey are, uh, you didn't grow up in church in the 90s, and uh, you can Google it, and your life will be forever changed. Uh, I don't know if you know this, like, there's that the movie, you know, uh, with Jason, like the crazy guy with the hockey mask that stabs people. Friday the 13th, is that what it is? Uh, terrifying movie, but you know what's more terrifying is when you begin to realize that every single one of us has a Jason inside of us. That there is an evil part of our humanity that actually lurks. Now, we don't like to let it out. Sometimes it comes out, you know. Uh, there's all kinds of things that bring it out. I would say there's two things in life that like show you how selfish and maybe how evil you are as a person. Parenting, you know, you have you have a baby. And when you get married, you learn how truly selfish you are as a human being. And then when the other life comes in, you're like, wow, I am a terrible, terrible person. I don't want to pass this on to you. But we have to understand uh, that there is a part of us that's not good and that's not okay. And the parts that we want to give to Jesus are the good parts. The parts that we think he'll be proud of. But, he's, but the word says in Romans 5 that while we are still enemies, he died for us. Which means he died for the ugly part. He died for the Jason inside of you who's just going to kill people. Uh, that, that just wants to rage and get angry. It's like he died for that part of you who road rages when that person cuts you off. Or, or he, he, like he died for the best parts as much as he died for the worst parts. But I don't want him to touch those parts. Jesus, don't touch those parts because then I have to admit to it. Then I can. Then, then my shame comes out because I'm embarrassed. It, he, he died for every part. 
if I'm going to give him my whole heart, if I'm going to prepare for what's next, I can't just give him the good parts. But I wonder how many of us live our life only giving Jesus the parts that we like. And he's like, no, no, I want to transform the deep, dark, scary, ugly parts because he can bring healing and wholeness and restoration in life if only we would let him into our whole heart. Our whole soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Oh God, don't touch my anger issue. First of all, I might not admit I have an anger issue, but if I did, Jesus, don't touch that part because when that comes up, I feel strong and I feel like I can tackle things. So maybe there's parts in our lives that we don't, we don't want Jesus to touch or to heal or to bring wholeness because we think it gives us strength. But how much more strength do you think we could, you could get if you had Jesus? Come into the weakest part of who you are. Jesus, don't touch that thing because that thing reminds me of this situation and I want to always remember that. No, that's called a chip on your shoulder. And the only thing that will happen if you hold on to that is that the root of bitterness will grow deep. Come on, that's Hebrews 10. And it says it's not just going to destroy you, it's going to destroy everybody around you. If we hold on, to the worst parts, what we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, I know how to handle this better than you do. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. If we were to put this in context of scripture and like, oh, I don't know, 10 commandments have no other gods before you. Guess what you just became? Your own God who can solve your own problem. When you say, Jesus, I got this, you back off. My idol is my anger. My idol is my emotional dependence on this situation. My idol is my addiction. My God is that other thing. Jesus, just come in for the nice parts. I want you to come when we sing the nice songs and I feel good. Now he wants to come in the deep, in the dark, in the night, in the pain, in the tears, in the turmoil, because he's not in front of, he's not only in front of you. He's not only behind you. He wants to be right there with you. Prepare yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. I want to talk about something super awkward for a moment. This is Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. Just turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be awkward. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart <laughs> and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. That's Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. That's what Jesus is referencing later in Matthew 22. He knows the word. He's, he's calling out Deuteronomy. He says, circumcise your heart. He wants to cut away the things. See, we want to hide the things, and he wants to cut away the things. This is Romans 2. And true, circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. Circumcision of our heart. I don't know why I said it that way. It was really weird. The circumcision of our heart is a change of heart produced by the Spirit when we give Him our whole heart. God, things won't change. Yeah, you won't let go. God, I can't break through. Why do you hold on? Why do you, why do you keep yourself chained up? 
Jesus, I can't move forward. Yeah, it's because you're stuck in your ways. You know, the crazy thing about our journey as believers is that we never stop being transformed. There's never a season where we've made it. You know, there's that psalm, uh, my testimony. If I'm not dead, he's not done. That's, that's straight truth. I mean, that's straight fire, just like when we know what that looks like. There's never a moment where Jesus is like, ah, you're good enough. Now, bear with me. Meaning, he never leaves you hanging to say, you're fine, it's okay. That pain that you're feeling, that addiction that you have, they'll say, it's fine, it's, it's okay, it's all right. No, 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 he wants to continue the journey and the transformation. And then it goes further and it goes deeper. And the more areas that we give him access to, the deeper the transformation goes. And the more that you peel back the layers, the more you begin to discover the simple joy of Jesus at work in your life, the more we realize he really is in the middle and he really is leading us. But that's also the moment we realize that he's got our back because he loves us enough not to leave us as we are. Uh, you know, the, the craziest thing about COVID is, you know, there's, there's a little tension around wearing masks, you know? I think if we took a poll here, 50% of us would be like all four masks. And then we're not going to say who would be against masks. Like we're not going to publicly out you in that way. Uh, but this is like one of the, I think this is like literally, strangely enough, one of the most divisive issues of our time is whether or not we wear masks. I just don't know why we're so upset about wearing masks when we get up every day and put on a new mask. We're so used to wearing masks. We've forgotten what it's like to truly be us because we're trying to be something that somebody else wants us to be. So as we prepare for what Jesus wants to do, we, uh, we actually have to prepare ourselves to be ourselves, to be the people that Jesus created us to be. So we can start taking off the masks that are holding us back because we're allowing those things to dictate our identity. We would say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want Jesus to touch that thing in my life because it means I have to admit to it and I have a certain amount of shame in that area. Well, just take the mask of shame off and throw it in the fire. It might as well burn up right now. Oh, but I'm dealing with this secret issue. And if people found out, they're not going to look at me the same way. No, they're not going to look at you the same way when your life crumbles, when you could have done something about it. But here's the amazing thing about the grace of God. No matter what point you decide to jump off or decide to jump in, his mercies are new every morning. And he says, he's there to walk with us. And as the people of God, we've got to get over this idea that everybody has to be okay. That we come to church, we come to a gathering like this, we, we find a community and everyone just puts on a smile and says, oh, you know, God is good today. You know, God is good today, but there might be things going on in my life. It's because God is good today that I can confront the things that are going in my, on in my life. It's because God is good today, I can understand that the shame and this condemnation does not define me. It does not make up my identity. Because God is good today, I might be upset, but I'm also excited because I know that God is about to do amazing things among us, but he's doing it because... We're coming with our whole heart.
Now there's kind of two journeys that we take, and this is really, really interesting, okay? If you're a Christian, and if you've been a believer for a while, we love the idea of forgiveness, right? We love forgiveness, but we live like we have to pay for it. And the further away we get from our salvation moment, the more we want to pay God back. At the beginning of our journey, we can fully embrace forgiveness because we're like, this is the most incredible gift and this weight comes off. Can I tell you, if you're living with a weight, it's a deception, it's a lie, it's not from Jesus. It's something that we put on ourselves because we feel bad that Jesus did something for us that's so beautiful. And maybe we feel bad because we keep struggling with those things. And so we bury them further and further and further and further and further down because we're just trying to make Jesus proud. And the truth is, you already made him proud. He already, he already has done all the work. He, he loves you. He's well pleased with you. He just wants to, he wants you to become the person that he created you to be. So as believers, what are the things that we are holding on to or that we're holding back from him? Because we're afraid it's going to change the way that he sees us. Now, when God the Father looks at you, he looks at you through Jesus. It's a finished work. Now, maybe you're new on this journey of faith. Jesus is wiping the slate clean. As much as you will give him is as much as he will take. You know, the, the heat of this fire is ridiculous. Like I think many of us are, are, are sweating, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's amazing. Uh, Hebrews, and it's just echoing the book of Deuteronomy, describes God as a consuming fire. And I think sometimes we view that as a negative thing, right? Like, well, he's going to eat up all these things. No, no, no. He's a consuming fire, which means he burns up the shame and the pain and the trauma. He meets you in the midst of your doubt and he answers your questions because he's not afraid of your questions. But he burns up and consumes the parts of us that we're afraid of. And he replaces fear with hope and life. And just like any good fire that requires oxygen, he breathes in a breath with his Holy Spirit. And he says, this is who you were created to be. If you would give me your whole I'm just wondering, for us who've been in this for a while, who follow Jesus one step at a time, if today you could, if you would consider letting him in and letting him burn. Jesus, come and burn every part of me that I'm holding back. Jesus, take the parts that I'm afraid of, the parts that I'm embarrassed of, the parts that I'm ashamed of. Come and consume them because as you begin to refine my heart, all that gold that you've buried inside, you're going to start to pull it out. 
because we don't have to live trapped or feeling trapped. We can live free if we would let him in and let him burn. And if we're new on this journey, you've probably tried a lot of other things before you came to this moment or you found this service. So you could say that was nice or you could say I might as well go all in in this moment because let's be honest you went all in on the bottle last night you went all in on that relationship last time you went all in on that career to think that it would fulfill every part of you so why not in this moment understand that you could find hope and you could find peace and you can find life and you can find fulfillment in that you can find healing that there's breakthrough that's coming because Jesus doesn't leave you or forsake you he walks with you he leads you forward he's right there in the midst of it and he's got your back on the way out so if you're watching today if you're with us today or tonight or yesterday or tomorrow whatever the internet time you're watching this at is maybe you're in the car you're on the radio you consider letting Jesus in and letting him burn away your sin, your mistakes, all those difficult parts, but also the best parts to understand that that refining means something beautiful is coming out. He gives us beauty for ashes. Come on, we're going to pray a prayer together for all of you who want to make that decision to follow Jesus. Now, if you're watching on Facebook, I just want you to type the word Jesus into chat. If you're watching on Church Online, you can click a button. There's a way that you can respond. There's a link in our profile on YouTube. You can do the same thing. You can click the link if you want to take a next step to follow Jesus. And if you're like, listen, I'm not going to do any of those things, just grab your phone and text the word Jesus to 587-400-2010. You're like, you can do this. You can text. I, I know you can do that. Uh, You can take that next step. But we're also going to pray a prayer together. And and I'm going to pray and and just repeat it after me. And everyone here is going to repeat it after me as well. We just say, dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins and my losses. My sins and my successes. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I give you my whole heart. And I want to follow you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, it's Josh and Pastor DeAndre with you again. We're so glad that you were able to join us for another message of hope and faith in Jesus. Oh yeah, and hey, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear your story and hear about it. So go to scatteredsaints.ca and tell us about it. We would love to hear it. That's right. And not only that, at ScatteredSaints.ca, you can sign up for in-person church, DeAndre. What? We are back. We are ready. We are COVID safe. Wear your mask. Go to ScatteredSaints.ca to register for Sunday services. Oh, yeah. We'll see you guys. Take care.